Hello, and welcome to State of Crime. One state, two murders, lots of crime, with Kaylin and Elena. And we're heading back to Kentucky. We are. so Bluegrass I, country, baby. So I said at the beginning, when we talked about on the last episode, mm-hmm. when we brought up the Jennings 8, that this is kind of similar to that. And when I say that, I mean like, only just like a tiny bit. Mm-hmm. Not like a lot. So, but this case is strange. And this is kind of a ha- a bunch of different cases. Okay. They end oh. up coalescing together? Yeah. Okay. Maybe. We'll maybe. See. Oh, no. And it's unsolved, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> it Kicking is. Kicking you in the kneecaps. Okay, so What I, is it with you and the unsolved ones lately? This is... These cases are just so... Fascinating. Fascinating. They are. And I do think as much like at the beginning where we were like, we're not going to do unsolved ones... I have really changed on this. I think the unsolved ones are the ones that people do need to talk about the most. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the great part of, um, you know, the, all of the social media and easy access that we have because you never know when somebody's going to say something exactly. and those dominoes fall. And, and that was to... one of the reasons that I did decide to do this is because all of these cases happened within the last 10 years and they are all mm. unsolved. Okay. And so not only that, well, I almost didn't do this case because one of the things that we had talked about with the, uh, with doing this podcast, which we have talked about a lot since is doing, trying not to do cases that have been done in other places. Yeah, or at least not overdone. Like oh, that are right. too well known. Right. Well, I did find out yesterday <laughs> that these ha- there's a podcast that surrounds these cases. This is oh, the only awesome. case of that this podcast. And you know, is. and I have to say, because when we did the Atlanta Child Murders, right. I came across that one as right. well that was so helpful. And I think those are really important. Right. For people, just the the deep dive that those people have to really get into every little bit of evidence. And like I said, you know, people think, oh, well, it's been gone over a hundred times before. But you never know what you're going to find the hundred and first time. And, right. You know, what's going to spark something. Especially because most of these, most of the podcasts that do deep dive like that, they normally are going into the town and talking oh, yeah. to locals. Mm-hmm. And so I do think that those are very important. And I almost didn't. I almost decided to change my case last night because of that. Okay. But I didn't because it's fascinating. Okay, good. I love this. Good. I mean, I don't. It's yeah. sad and terrible, but um, it's just, it's it's confusing mm-hmm. while being like, I don't know. It's, we'll okay. just, we're just going to jump girl. into it. So, um, the first person we are going to talk about today is, his name is Jason Ellis. He another up, Alice. Another Alice. I wonder if they're related. I mean, maybe. That might be a good thing. Because George Ellis was married and I believe mm-hmm. he had children. Well, Jason Ellis grew up in Cincinnati. Okay. And he was a big baseball star in high school and he ended up going on to play in the minor league. He played mm-hmm. in college and went all the way up to the minor league. And in 2001, he, made, he met Amy and three years later they were married. Their first son, whose name was Hunter... Was born with Down syndrome. So he, Jason decided that he wanted to leave his baseball dream and settle down and become a family man. Aww. Good for him. Plus, minor league baseball is rough. They make no money. The travel's 
insane. And from what I understood, he and his wife had kind of a few arguments about this. She didn't want him to leave originally. Okay. Because she was scared he was going to regret it and he was going to later resent the fact that he left. Right. And he made a promise to her that I will not resent leaving my dream for my family. Yeah. Like, I will never he let that like happen. He sounds like such a great guy. He does. And from, all, from everybody that... All of the sources I looked into all said he was a great dude. Aww. Well, about a year after Hunter was born, they had their second child, Parker. And they end up moving to Bardstown, Kentucky. Okay. And they did not waste time with those kids either. They did not. <laughs> well, Jason joins the police force. Okay. And Bardstown is a very small town. And he ends up being the only canine unit with the entire department. Aww. So he has... Uh, I believe you pronounce the dog's name as Figo or okay. Figo, one of the two. Okay. But he's the only canine officer. And in May of 2013, Jason goes to work almost like every other night. So he worked evenings. He normally got off at around 2 a.m. Okay. And the only difference with this night was that he did not have Figo with him. Aww. Is because his normal um, squad vehicle was in the shop being repaired, uh, some touch-ups and stuff for everything. So he was in another squad car, so he didn't take Figo. Figo. I'm going to mm -hmm. call him Figo because okay. I'm pretty sure that's how you say his yeah. name. Um, so he didn't take Figo to work with him. Figo stayed home with the family. And he goes to work. He, at some point in the day, uh, takes a break from work and goes to his son's t-ball game and then not long after he's at the t-ball game he gets called so he has to leave oh man and he ends up going and he got a call for a drunken disorderly that he went he took care of and then after that he wanted to go back to the t-ball game but it had already ended at that point so he just goes back to work um from all accounts it was a very slow night he really only had two actual calls that he had to go to which was one the drunken disorderly and um, there was a domestic situation that he went and took care of. And then he cruised around, did his patrol like he was supposed to. And at about 2 a.m., he clocked out. He goes over the radio, tells them that he's off duty, and he starts going home. And it's about a 15-minute drive home. And it, his normal route is on the Bluegrass Parkway. I say that now because that will be important later. Okay. So he exits, and as he's exiting, he sees something in the middle of the road. So he parks his squad car to where it's blocks. The, he's parked in the middle of the road, okay. got his lights on, and he gets out to go investigate what this is. Well, he sees that it is like a freshly cut tree and branches, just like placed in the middle of the road. So this sounds like a booby trap. So he doesn't want other people to get hurt. Of so he's going to try to take this stuff off of the road. But before he manages to do that, he is ambushed and he is shot multiple times. And some sources say that they're pretty sure there was more than one shooter only because of the way that the bullets entered and exited his body. Okay. So and he never had a chance to pull, pull his, his own weapon. weapon. 
So his weapon was still holstered when they found him, but they had entrance and exit wounds going in kind of all different directions. Do you know how many times he was shot? A lot. A lot. A like lot. 20? I, mean, I, I didn't get an exact okay. number, but it was a lot. Okay. Um, they said that the pavement was bloodstained for months afterward. And Jason laid there dead for about 30 minutes before anybody came upon his body. And we had a couple of passerbys that had come up. One woman, she had gotten out and gotten into a squad car. And got over the radio and she was like, hello. And there is audio <laughs> of this. And she was like, officer down. Mm-hmm. And he, the dispatch was like, where are you? What's your location? Like what happened? And she's like, I don't know. And she kind of gives him a location. Later find out that she gives him the wrong location. Cause she just wasn't as familiar with uh-huh. the area. And in that time, there's another man who drives up. He works at a local distillery because Bardstown is very well known for their bourbon. Okay. Because it's Kentucky people. Exactly. And so he worked at a distillery. He was on his way home. He stopped. He knew the area very well. Okay. He stopped and he used the uh, radio on Jason's body. Like, hey, this is where we're at. And the police asked, "Um, is he breathing? And he's like, no, his body's cold. And he gives them his, their exact location and they all wait for police to show up. And they don't get any clues from this. They have no evidence to take okay. in. So eventually this case goes cold. Of course. Sadly. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are kind of just forced to... Originally, some people... There was a small town gang, and I put gang in air quotes because not only police, but people who knew the members of this gang Gang. really just called them a bunch of young kids who wanted to be tough. Right. Who, like, pretended that they were tough shit. Mm -hmm. And there was, I believe a couple of them had, like, come forward and was like, oh, I did that. And they are like, no, you fucking didn't. Mm -hmm. Like, you just want to say you did it because you want to be, you want to act all tough and then get some sort of, like, street cred for killing Mm -hmm. killing a cop. Is basically. Which, how messed up is that? I mean, just, you know what I mean? As a side note, that is always so weird to me that that's how people decide they want to flex and, you know, get attention and is lie about really horrific things that they did. Right. And so they kind of, uh, they ruled out this gang for the most part very quickly because there was just no evidence that they would have done it. And everybody that knew them was like, you're just fucking little boys that don't know any, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Another thought was that it was a police officer. Ooh. Because of the fact that they think that whoever did this knew Jason didn't have his canine unit that day. They knew that he was his normal route home. They knew the time that he would normally get off work. Mm -hmm. And they knew that where they were ambushing him was, first of all, there's no like street lights. It's a very, very dark road. Uh Uh-huh. And where the road is and where the pile of branches and stuff, it is, there's spots on like the side of the road that are higher than the road that somebody easily, okay. easily could have perched themselves up on and not had to move. So the location was just really, really well planned. Right. Okay. And, um, 
they also said that it could have been um, somebody who was well um, well versed in military okay. and stuff like that. Um, they did say that they didn't believe that it could have been anyone who was unfamiliar with guns. Oh, right. They had to have been familiar with the way that, and like the range that they would mm-hmm. have had to be and all of this. Which I'm going to assume that small town Kentucky, like small town Idaho, that's a lot of people. Right. So we are going to take a step back from Jason Ellis at this point, okay. And we're going to jump ahead about a year to April. Oh, and 14th. I'm sorry. What year was, that uh, was Ellis's again? That was in May of 2013. Okay. So we're going ahead to April of 2014. Um, Kathy and her 16-year-old daughter, Samantha, were found dead in their home. Uh, Kathy's father had found their bodies after Kathy didn't show up for work, and she was a special education teacher at the local elementary school. And when she didn't show up for work, people started calling around. It's a small town. Yeah. uh, Started calling around, and finally her dad decided to go to the house and go figure out what was going on. And Samantha, it was right before prom. She had been talking to her sister in the couple of days before that. And her sister, I believe, was gone away at college. But she was, like, talking to her sister, sending her pictures, all excited about her prom dress and this, this, and that. And they are found dead in their home. Uh, Kathy had been shot multiple times. And Samantha had been bludgeoned to death. (gasps) And depending on the sources you look at, most of them say that Samantha also had her throat slit. Some say that both Kathy and Samantha had their throat slit, but I'm pretty sure it was only Samantha. Okay. Um, And this could be one of those things that the police are not letting this, excuse me, this confusion brew. So when they finally catch somebody. Right. Yeah. And... A lot of people question motive. Nothing was taken. It mm-hmm. was not a robbery. Right. It didn't even seem that anybody had broken into the house. Okay. Um, She's a special education teacher, so she probably doesn't have like a lot of enemies. I doubt there's, you know, some right. deep, dark secret um, life. Maybe. From everything that I could find, Samantha was very well known mm-hmm. or well liked. Mm-hmm. She didn't also also didn't have any enemies. There was nobody that she wasn't like into drugs as far as anybody knew. She wasn't like a really big partier. And so still to this day, motive is a huge question. Like right. why? Yeah. Why would someone just break in this house, murder them and leave with also, nothing? And they were murdered very differently. Kathy was shot and Samantha seems more personal because mm-hmm. it's the bludgeoning. And, right. And the slitting of the throat. And so it's almost like. They wanted to get Kathy out of the way and then take their time with Samantha, which is strange. Um, This, sad note on this, uh, Samantha ended up being buried in her prom dress. Oh. Because they thought that she should be able to wear it at least once. Okay, I'm dead. (laughs) So, they still, there, there was no really any motive or evidence in this one either. And as 2014 came to an end, they all just, everything seemed to kind of be going back to normal, even okay, though they didn't right. have any. Even though you've had two murders and the same small town. Right? right. And yeah. And you know, like I said, not, yeah. People that would have a lot of ripples in the community for sure. Well, this normality would not stick for very long. 
In 2015, the next year, 35-year-old Crystal Rogers disappears. She is a mother of five. She um, had she had been married to a man named Keith Rogers, and she that's who she had her children with. But they ended up divorcing. Well, they decided not to divorce and just separate. separate. Um, and she kept his last name even just to. I believe it was because she wanted to have the same last name as her, her kids. kids. Yeah, right. that's what I did after my first divorce. You right. Know, so. Um. I probably would have done that, but I didn't change my name when I got married, so yeah. I didn't have to change it back. Right. <laughs> um, she ended up dating a local man named Brooks Huck, I believe is Huck. Uh-huh. Um, and they were dating for several years leading up to her disappearance, and she ended up having one child with Brooks. So okay. she had four with her previous husband and one with, and Brooks. one with the new boyfriend. Um, she also worked with Brooks and they, he came from like a very well off family and he owned multiple rental properties in the area and she worked with him help, um, and raised her five kids. So Crystal's mom says that she was a very kind, passionate, and kind of a shy person. And she said that she didn't have any enemies that she knew of. She did rental property. And she was said that she was sure people weren't always always happy with her because she's a well, landlord. Um, she's like, but that's normal. And uh -huh. so it shouldn't have been ever, anything that she would have disappeared over. Although we've got in Mountain Home, right. so we've got a case, so. Right. Um, there were some people that said that close to her disappearance, her relationship with her boyfriend started to strain. And uh, he even claimed that their relationship was stressed. Okay. Uh, due to like working together and some other factors that nobody really goes and into. And just life. I mean, yeah. Right. Who knows? Um, so it was said that she was preparing to break up with him okay and i when i first heard this i'm like preparing and then i think about it i'm like okay one you have a kid with him mm -hmm. two you've been together for a while you've made a life there was preparation and need to leave somebody of i get course. it so i but um there was no actual evidence of that it was just what people had said mm -hmm. it the local gossip well on July 3rd, 2015, Crystal Rogers had sent a text to a friend of hers saying that she was excited to finally have a child-free night alone with her boyfriend. And she said that they had gotten a babysitter and they planned on spending the evening together. And this was the night before Fourth of July, the 4th of July holiday. And they didn't really... They said that they were going to his family's farm for this... Their night together mm -hmm. and kind of the, the details of that have kind of been all over the place a little bit but they haven't gone into it a whole lot um but that would be the last place that crystal was ever seen and according to her mother she said quote she wasn't returning any calls she hadn't gotten in contact with us and i was really starting to get worried okay so on july 5th uh, Crystal's car was found abandoned along the Bluegrass Parkway. Okay. And by the way, do we know how close our previous, the mother-daughter, did they live close to the Bluegrass Parkway or do we know this? I'm not sure. Okay. 
Um, it all is in the same small Area. town. Yeah. Though. Yeah. Uh, which I'm sure. And I'm sure this is probably like the main thoroughfare. Right. Uh, so they found her car um, near mile marker 14. The yes. keys were still in the ignition. It was a maroon Chevy Impala. One of the car's tires was flat. Okay. And other than that, the car seemed to be in good uh, condition. Now, originally, people were saying, well, no wonder her car was on the side of the road. It had a flat tire. Now, the flat tire was caused by a nail okay. that she must have gotten driving somewhere because the nail was still in the tire when they found the car. But Crystal's dad was very, very, very adamant about the fact that she never would have pulled off to the side of the road and left her car there. Right. Because she had gotten flats before uh -huh. and would still drive on them to get to a safe place to get it fixed. Right. So her, her car being on the side of the road on a road that we know is not well lit, mm -hmm. it's kind of isolated, it's... Granted, there are... It is probably one of the main roads around this town, but that doesn't make it any less isolated. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Right. And so her dad very much was like, she didn't leave there on her own account. Exactly. Um, and Plus it, she wouldn't have left. Did, and you said the car was running? No, the keys oh, were in the, the ignition. And again, you wouldn't leave your keys in your ignition either. You no. know what I mean? No. If you were going for help. Right. And... Um, they did say that there was evidence that she had driven on this flat tire for a while because the rim was already starting to dent. Okay. Uh, which also kind of backs up her dad with saying like, oh, yes. she wouldn't. She was fine trying to find somewhere. Right. She was trying to make it to someplace. Right. So inside her car, they found scattered, um, her dead cell phone, her purse, her makeup and some other belongings of hers just kind of strewn about. But the hard thing with this in my eyes is I feel like you have to just, it depends on the type of person or it depends on the person in general. If you were to go outside and look in my car right now, somebody <laughs> be like, who the fuck took her? Yeah. But your purse wouldn't be in there. You're right. You know, there, but it's I have different. shit all over my right. car. <laughs> like I could live out of my car for a couple of days if sure. I had to. Yeah. And so I don't know how much like the belongings being, but the fact that like you put your, your cell phone wouldn't be in there. Your keys wouldn't be in your ignition. If you left your car by the side of the road, your purse. Right. You, so there's right. obviously yeah. a lot here. Well, on later that day on July 5th, her family reported her missing. Mm. Not her boyfriend, her family. Her family. So, of course, people are going to be looking at him because, right. oh, they were going to break up and yada, yada, yada. So, the detective, <laughs> this is a great name, um, they, the detective that immediately, thank God, this is one of the first cases that we have ever covered where somebody calls in a missing adult mm -hmm. and something is done immediately. Okay. Um, Detective John Snow jumps <laughs> right into it. He knows nothing. <laughs> um, and within hours, he began centering in on the one person that her family believes is responsible for her disappearance. The boyfriend. The boyfriend, because the boyfriend always did it. Right. Well, not long after her disappearance, Brooks meets with the investigators um, they wanted to get a better sense of his relationship 
and the night that they had spent together on July 3rd, which was the last time she was seen. Now, he says that they had gone to the family farm, farm that night and they had taken their two-year-old son, which is strange to me that they got a babysitter for the rest of the kids, but they took their youngest. That is kind of odd, but they were going to the family farm. Yeah, right. I don't know. But. I don't know. Um, they fed the livestock. They returned home early that evening. And Brooks claimed that they had gone to bed together normally, as they usually would. Um, but Crystal didn't go to sleep as soon as they had gone to bed. She had stayed up playing some games on her phone until she would eventually fall asleep. And he then says that when he woke up the next morning, Crystal was gone. Which sounds shady. Sounds so shady. Um, he said that according to him, he said that that wasn't unusual. That it was something that she did from time to time. She just kind of left out the, left in the middle of the night to go hang out uh, with her sister or with her friends or with her cousin. Yeah. You're no. giving the same look that I had when I was first. Right. Right. Um... According to Brooks, Crystal was kind of a partier, uh-huh. and she... Once again, let's make sure we make the victim look like trash so we Right. Can... He said that she often would leave her children at home to attend uh, fantasy parties. Nobody really knows what fantasy parties are, but it's cool. Um, and, yeah, like, why would you be... Oh, anyway, just go. Mm-hmm. I can't even anymore. Uh, I he... They ended up talking to her family about this too and everybody in her life was like no Mm -hmm. she was not a partier she was a homebody and yet why would you be trash talking your missing girlfriend and the mother of your child right um douchebag so he was just strange his answer, nothing really added up. What he would say versus what his parents would say would be very, di- what her parents would say okay. were very different. Um, but I also think that if you look at it in a certain way, some parents aren't going to be as informed. Right, of course. that part She could very well have hidden some of these aspects of her life but again he just yeah i don't know right but even her friends were like no she's a homebody and if she's out partying her friends would know exactly right um well especially this claim that she's out visiting all these people in the middle of the night like mm -hmm. real all of these people are just staying up all night long like no right um crystal's sister brooke had said about brooks that's gonna be Mm -hmm. confusing but uh, she said, quote, the stories just don't add up. You don't go to bed one night and not know she's gone and then not worry that she left the baby. Mm-hmm. He has never once offered to help search or help or do anything for the family. Okay. So that was another thing. Was he? So this one kind of stands to the side, at least right now. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like it fits in with the others. We'll get there. Okay. Until we find her body and she's been shot several times. So... He ends up not helping with searches, okay. which is strange in and of itself. It is really weird. Um, and on July 8th, he sat down with an inter- uh, for an interview or an interrogation or a questioning, whatever you want to call it. Something. With Detective Jon Snow. Okay. And in this interview, he tells about the morning that Crystal had gone missing. He tells investigators about her habit of disappearing in the middle of the night. 
And during the conversation, Detective Snow had said that um, all of the aspects of the story that had been revealed, just he was questioning almost all of them. Okay. And he asked questions about their relationship, about Crystal's habits, about Brooke's professional life, uh, whatever struggles they had been going through. And Brooke seemed to, according to Detective Snow, it seemed that Brooks was downplaying almost everything. Uh, and there is a, an, if you go onto YouTube, you can find the video of the interview that they do. Okay. And during this interview, he ends up getting a phone call. All right. And when I first watched or when I heard it because I had listened to part of the podcast um they had said who the narr the host of the podcast was like it just seems so scripted okay and as I was listening to it I don't know if scripted would be the right word maybe like a tiny bit rehearsed okay. but I don't think that they sat down and was like this is what we're gonna say but it is odd that he would get a phone call from his brother and his brother would be telling him, like, they're trying to frame you. You need to get out of there. Don't mm -hmm. talk to him. And he responds with, I'm going to help them because I'm innocent. Mm -hmm. And he makes sure to tell his brother on the phone, like, I'm innocent. I didn't do anything. I'm going to help them. Right. So it seems like this phone call happened at the perfect time during their interrogation to where it looks like he is actually innocent. So okay. I get the, I, I get it, but it's weird. Right. And it's weirder when you find out that his brother, Nick is a police officer with the same department. There we go. We found it. Mm -hmm. So his brother, Nick, this is where things start to kind of piece themselves together a little mm -hmm. bit. Um, Nick, uh, Brooks's brother, who was an officer with the Bardstown Police Department, he just happened to work the same shift as Jason Ellis. Dun, dun, dun. Right. Um, but the former police chief, who was the chief during Jason's uh, murder, he had been, it had been brought to his attention that this was kind of a theory. Okay. And he had been asked numerous times if there had seemed to be any bad blood between Jason and Nick. Mm -hmm. And he, for the most part, was like, no, not really. Like, they kind of fucked around with each other a little bit. Kind of like, Jason was a little more outgoing than Nick was. And they would just kind of like fuck with each other a little bit. Okay. So I have a hard time thinking that even if there was actual bad blood between them, uh -huh. that the chief would even know about it because okay. they're probably both passive about it. So them quote unquote fucking with each other yeah. is them probably actually being rude to each other in a passive way. Okay. Um, but we again, don't have any evidence. That's just my own thoughts. Okay. And later on we found <laughs> So Brooks takes a polygraph test. Okay. And it comes back inconclusive. All right. And they end up giving a polygraph to his brother, Nick, uh -huh. also. And Nick fails. 
every it's they said that every single question that they asked him whether or not it was related to crystal's disappearance uh-huh he was being deceptive Every single one of them. Okay. Well, he ends up getting fired because of this. Okay. Because it goes against their ethic code. Okay. So, with the failed polygraph test, with him telling his brother to not cooperate with police, and all of these things, Nick gets fired. Okay. See ya. You're mm-hmm. not helping us. Because it's in part of their ethics code, they've said, is that they need to be willing to help in any case that they have yeah and he's clearly not doing that if anything he was doing more obstruction than he was help okay and they end up not really getting anything out of them but brooks does stay their number one suspect for the disappearance of crystal and rightly so right um, a lot of people, mostly the police chief and other detectives who have worked with this, for some reason won't connect uh, Nick Brooks or Nick Houck, sorry, mm-hmm. with Jason Ellis. Okay. They won't connect, they won't try to like connect him as a suspect to that crime, which is strange to me. Uh-huh. Because to me that makes the most sense. He's a police officer. Right. He works with him. He wor- He knows his shift. He knows that he doesn't have his canine unit. He knows his route home. These are all things that... But why would he want to kill him? You don't have anything here. I mean, okay. Okay, wait. They fuck with each other. Like no, you said, wait. You know, we're getting okay. there. Okay, 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 okay. We'll so, get us there. One of the biggest theories is that Jason got a little too close to something that he shouldn't have gotten close to. Okay. And their big theory with that is drugs. All right. Of because course. remember, Jason is the only canine unit on the whole mm-hmm. department. And so they are thinking there are some theories out there that maybe there was something going on under their own noses inside the police mm-hmm. department. And Jason, Jason caught whiff of it. Okay. This still doesn't kind of, this doesn't at all explain how Kathy and Samantha could be connected unless, one, maybe Samantha was into drugs and nobody really had noticed, you know Uh what I mean? Maybe it was uh kind of something that she had to herself. Or, this is kind of my own thought on how they may or may not be connected, but Remember we said that Kathy was a special education teacher at the elementary school. Right. And Jason Ellis had a son Son with Down Down syndrome. So I don't know if maybe she was somehow connected with the Ellis family and that they got scared or something happened. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, Now things continue to get strange. Okay. About a year after Crystal disappears, her father... Is found dead. <gasps> no. Yes. He had gone on a hunting trip and they found him with a gunshot wound to the chest. Originally, they were like, oh, he was hunting. It was a hunting accident. Or suicide. They end up ultimately ruling it a homicide. Okay. And have no leads. But... Tell me how fucking strange that is. That is weird. That and especially in a small town to have two members of the same family 
and it doesn't seem like, like you said, they're not involved in drugs or, you know, ready with guns and, you know, whatever. Right. Yeah. So I could go so... Now, okay, when I first found this case, uh, Jason Ellis was the first one I found. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is crazy how he's just like on his way home. And he just gets ambushed in a tiny town and they have no evidence. Mm -hmm. Like, what the fuck? Right. And then as I start looking into it, then when I found Crystal's disappearance. Uh And that's when I was like, this is weird. Mm -hmm. And then I find out that her dad also was murdered like a year later. And I'm like, this is so fucking weird. And it's also weird that almost all of these, like, we've got a year, a year, a year. You know what I mean? So there's a timing issue here. Right. That's bizarro. But it seems to me that the only one I don't think I could connect together, if I wanted to connect these, because if you Google... The Barnstown murders. Uh huh. They don't come up connected originally, which is also very strange. Very strange. Clearly, Crystal and her father's they connect those. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, they don't really connect any of them. Okay. Now, the they continue to investigate Crystal's disappearance for the next few months, and they search the location where her car was found. And they just couldn't find anything. And on September 9th, 2015, which was about two months after Crystal's disappearance, Nick was, again, like I said, uh, he, I say he was fired. He was given an option. Okay. And police chief Rick McCubbin had given a statement that said quote i gave him a verbal command to cooperate with the lead investigator and to meet with him he stated to me that he had nothing to say to them and if they knew anything he would have already talked to them okay and that's about the time when they were like see ya Mm -hmm. get the fuck out if you're not gonna help (laughs) yeah um so it was in october of 2015 that nick was fired all right and he had failed the polygraph test. Like I said earlier, he had advised his brother not to speak to police. He re- refused to speak to the investigator. He was uncooperative in the grand jury testimony. And he claims to have selective amnesia. <laughs> uh, and So do most of my students. So they said, quote, he is not worthy of being a police officer. Right. And... Later that same day was when Brooks was officially named suspect in Crystal's disappearance. And to date, he is the only suspect that has been named. Okay. Um, they have never found her body. And she is presumed dead. Mm-hmm. And I... Like to this day, they still haven't found her body. Correct. Oh. Um, now, in... 2016, they end up also kind of digging into Nick some more and their other family members because they probably believe that it was not only Brooks. Okay. And they, excuse me, um, they end up finding a, um, a vehicle that had been sold by Nick 
right after Crystal's disappearance and they did DNA testing and there was DNA that belonged to Crystal inside. Um, oh, they, I'm sorry. They did forensic testing to determine if there was any evidence inside, including DNA that had belonged to Crystal or any suspicious bodily fluid. Um, because there was suspicious bodily fluid found in the trunk of Nick's police cruiser. Okay. But um, it was actually Nick's grandmother that had sold the car or she had been the legal owner of the car before and she refused to let them uh, search it. Search it, okay. Uh, Which is really weird. Well, I guess technically it wasn't that she refused. She said she would have refused, but since she sold the car and there was no way to track it down. I don't know. Again, weird. Right. So we jump ahead quite a bit. This case now has a new lead detective on it. There's a new chief at this police station and they're still this is so jennings eight ish i mean yeah just where you you know on the get-go it just seems like a string of bad luck or a serial killer sort of a thing and then when you start digging and you start finding this web of connections you yeah there has to be something here that we're not seeing yet right so earlier this year is when the new lead detective took over crystal rogers case okay and they, um, they just, he's talks, John Snow, Detective John Snow. Uh, <laughs> Who his, still knows nothing. Right. He retired in July, so they ended up having to get somebody else to take over it. And they still have not found anything. But, crazy enough, Brooke's house burnt to the ground. Oh my God. So anything was, do we know, was it arson? Was it purely accidental? Um, is it questionable? I believe it's been questioned a lot. Of course. Uh, but strange that the one place, the, the home of the now missing person has now burnt to the ground. Right. When there's a new detective. So I'm wondering if when the de new detective came in, he's like, fuck you, we're going to search your house. Mm -hmm. And Brooks was like, no, you're not. Burnt it to the ground. There's a lot here. So much here. You're so good at finding those. The weird fucking yes. pieces. I don't know how I come across it. I find boring old axe murderers and you get all the good stuff, man. I legitimately Googled uh, top murders in Kentucky. That's what I do, too. Yeah. yeah. I always do, like, or just, you know, murders in Kentucky. Yeah, or whatever state we're doing. Right. So... There's a lot of conspiracy behind these, obviously, but it's weird that they only, and I didn't write down how they got this, um, but the only sort of like evidence or, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. Tip. Tip. The only tip that they've come across is a black colored Chevy Impala being near or on some of the scenes or at least one of them i didn't dig deep into the black okay. impala only because there's no really anywhere they can go from there because exactly. police did put out like hey we're looking for this car. car but it was like the year between year 2003 and 2013 or 14 or something like that mm -hmm. it was one of those and it was like 
if you have a black Chevy Impala between this year and this year, and it's that's a lot of years mm-hmm. in between. And clearly Impalas are a common thing because not only have we seen a black one, but Crystal had a maroon one. And they said that Chevy Impalas are a normal car that you see and I was around say, town and all the time. And night, it, you don't even know for sure it's black. Right. So. So it's, but yeah, it's sad that none of, well, first I of all. I hate it when people don't get answers. Right. So not only is Amy Hunter and Parker, Hunter and Parker are now growing up without a father. Mm-hmm. And Amy has to raise her kids by herself. Mm-hmm. And these boys were, I believe, they were uh, six and seven when Jason died. I believe wow. they were six and yeah. seven at the time. So they were young. Mm-hmm. And then, so their world completely got shattered. And then the whole Roberts, right? Crystal, what was Crystal's last name? Rogers. Rogers. Sorry, I mean, that Rogers family. My goodness. Yeah, not only did they lose a child, but then the, the father, father. Right. And then you've got Kathy and Samantha. Jeez. So they, They're, all of the, yeah. right. All of these families are just getting ripped and torn apart and they have nothing to go no on answers. to find answers. And I... Just suspicions. Right. And I'd like to know, because I, I this is my feeling too, with like the Jennings 8 case, is locally people know. You know what I mean? On some level, they know at least partially who's responsible. Right. And you just have to sit there knowing these people definitely, they may not be the only person or people involved, but they are somehow dirty in this and I'm ha- I'm sure that this case you got the same thing right small town this Brooks dude you know police yeah, corruption a- exactly and people just knowing there's something there and this person and that person are somehow complicit but they can't get enough to give themselves answers you know right so final definitive answers and then justice right so um, after I meant to mention this earlier because we talked about how Samantha was buried in her prom dress. Yes. Um, now when Jason died, uh, Figo was immediately retired. Yeah. And he spent the rest of his days out with the Ellis family. Oh, good. Um, he has since died, um, which is sad. Yes. But he did get to live the rest of his life out, life out with the family that loved him and that right. he loved. And it, to me, I can very, very easily in my mind connect Jason Ellis with Crystal. Yes. And we can obviously connect Crystal with her father. Yes. My biggest question is Kathy and Samantha. Yeah. Where do they fit in? In with this. Which is probably why the police won't. Do we know anything about Kathy's husband? I, was she married or divorced? I believe she was divorced. Okay. There, I never really see, I never really, in in my um, research, I didn't really see much of anything about a husband or a boyfriend or anything mm-hmm. like that. It just wasn't really brought up. Um, we do know that she had, I believe, one other daughter. So she had two daughters total, I believe. There's mm-hmm. just not, it's weird because when you look into the these cases, you don't really find a whole lot on Jason. You mm-hmm. can find a bit. Mm-hmm. Um you find a hell of a lot of information when it comes to Crystal Rogers. 
a, a little bit when it comes to her dad, but there wasn't a whole lot of information for her dad because it was like right. he was on a hunting trip, got shot in the chest, died. It's a homicide. But when it comes to Kathy and Samantha, so little information on that. And I wonder if it's just that, you know, again, you know, how many family members have come forward to talk to police and reporter. Right. You know, I think a lot of times families are like, I'm not talking to you. I don't want to. Right. You know, so. Like, let me mourn my family mm-hmm. and leave me alone. Right. That shuts things down. But quickly. I, I don't know. I have a hard time because I feel like I get that I get wanting to like mourn alone with the comfort of your own family. But at the same time, wouldn't you want to be out there trying to get answers? You know, I think, yes, I would, but I have to say I have known people who are inherently very private, um, who, you know, really are people who just say, I just want to move on with my life. I don't want to be defined by this. You know what? They don't want to talk about it every single day. Right. Because it is either just too painful or... I'm sure it's exhausting. Exhausting. They they don't, you know, they just... I don't want to use the word forget about it because that's not what, you know, I'm sure that's not where they're coming from. That's not what I'm meaning. But again, just to compartmentalize it. You know, and just, I got to move on with my life. This is what I need to do. And that's locked away in a safe box kind of a thing. So So most people who cover this case, they will smush them all together. They are all connected. This happened. Mm -hmm. Granted, they can be technically connected because they're all in the same town and it all happened within uh, years of each other. But... They, the police will not actually connect them. They are not connected crimes right now, which I think it is smart for them legally in the long run until they get actual more, they get right. more evidence, they need more evidence and they need here. tips to be able mm-hmm. to connect anything. But And as we know, in cases, there's a ton of red herrings, mm-hmm. false leads, things that you know, you just look at it and you think, oh, this has got to be a connection, and then it falls apart, right. and it's really not. So that's also a struggle with these things. It is. But Man. it's a very sad... Yes. So many families were torn apart. And I just really, really hope that they get closure. Right. That's what I always hope for families. It's sad. Yeah. But, so that was a... That's another good one. I know. It was like, so many. I'm glad that I decided to do it. We're going to have to start like fundraising so we can go to these places and do on the ground. Like seriously, I'm getting obsessed with some of these. So much fun. I know. That would be a lot of fun. We're going to get a Scooby van (laughs) and we're going to travel the country solving crimes. That's our new, that's my retirement plan. That's what I'm going to do with you. Sounds good. Yeah. I'm going to win the lottery. That's what I'll do. Yeah, that sounds even better. That way I can fund it. Right. And we can stay in good hotels. Right. None of this supernatural bullshit. <laughs> but do you have a do you have any specific state you want to go to next? I don't know. Do we have one that's on our list? Do you want to break I out the list? Look, yeah, let me look And at also list. for our listeners, I know that um, Autumn gave me a good case, but it was in New York and we've already done New York. I so have, I'm have so to save many it. cases that I have I come up to recently that are in states that we've already done. There's one which I don't know if I could cover because she has the same name as me, mm-hmm. and that would trip me out. Oh, yeah. Uh, but she's from Utah. I just recently took a deep dive into something that we probably won't cover because it is a very big case, which mm-hmm. would be the um, Girl Scout murders Ooh. in Oklahoma. 
Um, but that's a huge one. Yeah, it is. Uh, but fascinating. Mm-hmm. And so there's the girl in Utah. There's the Oklahoma one. There was another girl. I don't remember what state it was in. Maybe I should figure it out, see if we've gone to that state yet. Okay. Um, but she, we have, because I believe that was in Georgia, and we've already, have we done Georgia? Uh, yeah. We did the Atlanta child murder. Oh, shit. <laughs> You're right. Um... Okay, let me get to my yeah. So most of the most of the cases that I've found recently that I'm like this is insanity, mm-hmm. uh, they're for states we've already covered. So we need to get through the states we haven't covered before we start going back. Okay, so we'll we'll figure it out. And yeah. We'll let you guys know. You're, you're just gonna have to sit in suspense. Um, I did want to give a shout out to the professionally silly podcast. And really, I encourage our listeners to check it out. It is amazing and brilliant and funny and such a nice mix of so many different right. ideas. I love it just, that I love she it. doesn't just do one thing. She doesn't yes. just do like true crime or like mm-hmm. paranormal stuff. She's just like, whatever the fuck I feel like doing and is love, what I'm going to yeah, do. Yeah, and I love it. I love the it's, way she strings it together. So professional... Right. Professionally silly. You can find it everywhere. Every podcasting platform I know of is carrying it. So go listen. And yeah, thanks for listening. Please rate us on whatever. Like you look so I lost. Know, I am. Like, what the fuck That's do what I know? Say well, because I because it's not just Apple products. You can rate rate us on whatever platform you listen to. You can always give us reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, Email us at stateofcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Send us suggestions. We love suggestions. Yes, we love suggestions. Please follow us on Facebook. Check out the discussion group. And as always, thanks for listening.